This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. The phone number, if you want to join the conversation, is 866-505-4626. That's our legacy line, or 833-4-VALDEZ. And um, some breaking news, there is a riot that looks like an attack going on at the Capitol. Uh, looking at a tweet uh, just moments ago from uh, Representative Anna Paulina Luna uh, saying, I'm in my office with my baby at the Capitol offices and it just went into lockdown. The Capitol offices are on lockdown right now because of these clowns. Imagine being that unhinged. And we have a clip of audio of what's going on outside the Capitol right now with uh, what looks to me like 50 or 100 people grabbing barricades, trying to break in. Looks like another January 6th. Uh, these are pro-Hamas uh, individuals. Uh, listen to this. So what I'm seeing as you're listening to this is um, about 25 cops trying to hold back a crowd of 150 people that are trying to break through a door. Uh, I also just saw some breaking news come through that the uh, Democrat National Committee offices are also uh, under attack with the similar type of, uh, uh, I guess they're going to call it a protest or demonstration. I'm going to call it an attack or a riot where people are trying to break the door down. And that's happening, uh, like I said, uh, in real time right now. So as we get more news on that, uh, you'll get more news on that. But absolute insanity is going on. And these are the pro-Hamas people that are, you know, very upset with what's going on. And I got to say, this whole thing opens up a, a very a, a bigger conversation, right? And, and and I gotta say, this is one that I haven't been very vocal about uh, because I really I just didn't think I really had the best interest of our country in mind, and I really believed that most of the people in our government also had the best interest of our country in mind. However, what I can say is that I don't think that's the case. I think that in reality, what we have going on here is a lot of people that are derelict in their duty, that are allowing things to happen. And General Blaine Holt was on a couple of weeks back, and many people have said this. My brother has been telling me this, honestly, for years, probably since, uh, I don't know, maybe 2018 or 2019, that 
our enemies are building small cells in the United States for an eventual takeover. And I said, oh, come on, you're, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. And, and I, I don't think he's so out of his mind anymore, honestly. Uh, I think that there are a lot of people in this country uh, that are coming in. They don't speak Spanish. They're from all different parts of the world, from the Middle East, uh, from Northern Africa, from Asia, mainly China, some from uh, other parts. And they don't necessarily have our best interest in mind. And all I could say is, you can look at this one of two ways. One way you could look at this is say, isn't it amazing how whatever issue comes to bear, there's an automatic response of protest, whether it was uh, in 2020, it was George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. They, they immediately mobilized. They were everywhere. Every city, every store was getting torched. Every, uh, every building was getting trashed, right? There, there was all these, these uh, violent uh, riots, and it was, it was massive. And then now you have this new issue, which is um, the Israeli war. Now, am I to believe that there are that many anti-Semites that have always just been here and they've been dormant? Or am I to believe that professional protesters on the left will attach themselves to any issue? Kind of like uh, Antifa, if you will. You know, they become this, they become that. I might be right or wrong on this, but I find it fascinating that we're having so many of these protests going on so quickly. Uh, it just absolutely, to me, is, is insane. It's insane that it happens that quickly. But again, you got hundreds of violent anti-Israel protesters uh, clashing with the Capitol Police outside of the Democrat National Committee headquarters. Again, this is breaking news about 30, 40 minutes ago. Uh, the pro-Palestine, uh, pro-Hamas rioters at this time uh, fighting with the cops. This looks exactly like January 6th. Uh, so far. And the, these guys are there and it's just, it's surreal to me because with January 6th, I can say you had an entire, I don't know, half a country or half of an electorate that felt like they got robbed and wanted to go and were at a rally in DC in one place at the stop the steal rally. It was just a big rally. And they were told to peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard. Historically, Republicans don't chant resist, resist and, you know, throw their fists in the air. Right. So I, it's uncharacteristic of, of that event to have turned out the way it did. And we got some more on that with uh, members of Congress today in the hearing bringing out some information about ghost uh, ghost vans, I think is what he called it, the or ghost buses that were filled with uh, FBI or FBI informants. And this was brought out in Congress. We'll play the audio for you shortly. But fascinating to me that these protests are being mobilized and are as violent as they are, as quickly as they are, tells me that either there is an army of pro-Hamas people in the United States, an army of Hamas cells that are dormant, that are coming to life, or these are the same people from Antifa, the same people from BLM, the same people from George Floyd, the same people from Occupy Wall Street way back when. And this is what they do because the left has always subscribed to violent resistance, as they call it, right? Remember, the Weather Underground, these people used to bomb buildings, federal buildings in the name of whatever, peace and whatever. These are actual domestic terrorists. Uh, we had the uh, the same brand of, of left-wing crazy 
uh, coming out of Puerto Rico. These are the same people that did the revolution in Cuba, talking about imperialism and colonization and being colonialists and uh, being anti-establishment. And they went back in the 1950s, 1954, Lolita Lebron and three others um, bum-rushed the United States Capitol in Washington, D.C. and shot a congressman. I mean, and they shot others. Uh, this this was um, a big deal. You had uh, Oscar Rivera Lopez, also part of these um, separatist group, these Puerto Rican nationals that don't represent all Puerto Ricans. Most Puerto Ricans want Puerto Rico to become a state. They enjoy being a part of the United States. Uh, it's a small fraction or faction, I should say, that is extremely vocal and literally copy and pastes the same exact rhetoric that you heard Fidel Castro and Che Guevara use throughout their revolution in Cuba. And it's the same stuff you hear now on the left, and it's the same stuff you're hearing now for Palestine. Now, I know some of you are saying, come on, Rich, not everybody's a commie. Perhaps they're not, but they're definitely stealing a page from that playbook, just the way they're stealing a page from Hitler's playbook, using those same tactics, including trying to destroy Jews and killing 1,400 of them on October 7th. So this is, uh, I'd say, of uh, more than moderate concern, right? I think it's, it's, it's a very serious matter. The fact that we have these people that are out there, they're not just protesters. These people are testing the waters. They're right now fighting with the Capitol Police, trying to break into the DNC, trying to break into the United States Capitol. Both of those are happening simultaneously right now. Let's play that audio one more time. And these people, again, they're grabbing police barricades, there's steel barricades, shoving the police, they're throwing bicycles around. This is absolute mayhem that's going on. We're going to keep you up to speed on everything that's going on there. Plus, we're going to talk about the FBI hearings that happened a little bit later. We're also going to talk about uh, what happened with, uh, how did we get here to this racial divide and what did Obama have to do with it? We'll talk about that. Plus, I want to talk about the United States Constitution because that seems to be under attack as well. So there's more to come straight ahead. It's Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. First thing we have to do, social media accounts, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's, first of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden people have to stand by what they say and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say. Accountability. And they know their pastor and their family members going to see it. That's Nikki Haley. She was discussing this a couple of uh, the night before last, I believe. And she's been under fire ever since with everyone saying, ma'am, have you lost track of what's going on? What is in your head? What is going on? And I'll say this. I agree that life would be better with what she's saying, right? Life would be better if 
people like me. I talk crap about Joe Biden and the Democrats and the left and commies. I do it all day long. And my face is on my Twitter and there's a, a, a they, they check my ID to make sure I am who I am when I got verified and stuff like that. And uh, and and I put my opinions out on these airwaves or on TV, whenever I'm on TV. But that is what I do. Now, I would never suggest that the government should require this. And I would never suggest that the government tell uh, companies exactly how to run their business. Um, but uh, I'm interested in having the conversation. I think the outcome could be good, but I would never suggest that this should be mandated by the government. Uh, it's a good theory, but it, it, it in ultimately it's a very dangerous one if the government's involved. So I want to talk about the constitutionality of that and the Constitution overall because uh, Fox News legal analyst and author Greg Jarrett, he's got a brand new book that you've got to check out, The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents. And he's with us to discuss it. Greg Jarrett, welcome, sir. Rich, good to be with you again. Always a pleasure, sir. Always a pleasure. So when you heard Nikki Haley saying this, and to me it seems like she's suggesting, uh, I didn't hear it in what she said, but it seems like she's suggesting if I'm elected, I will, you know, kind of mandate, require, that type of thing. Uh, But I don't want to put words in her mouth. What did you take away from that statement that she made? Well, she's wrong, and I agree with you. Uh, You know, too many politicians, elected officials, unelected bureaucrats, um, they, they have this yearning, this thirst, this desire to control everybody's lives. And the principles of the Constitution were exactly the opposite. They prescribe specific uh, duties and obligations of the various branches of government. Uh, but the underlying principle behind it is, uh, other than what we say you can do, leave us the hell alone. And, you know, first of all, um, I'm skeptical that uh, you know, this has anything to do with national security. I agree with right. you entirely. It's mostly people who uh, love to go on social media and defame and smear and, uh, you know, perpetrate lies about other people. I'm certainly the victim of that constantly. And they do it with fake names and fake accounts. Uh, And, you know, in the beginning, when social media first launched, I was amazed, wait a minute, they're going to allow people uh, to hide behind anonymity uh, to do this sort of thing? The, The answer is for the public to react and pressure uh, the social media companies to change their practices and policies uh, if there is sufficient will, but not the government. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And, and I think that's the, the, the part that we, um, yeah, that's what liberty is all about, right? Uh, the Constitution kind of tells us, uh, tells the government what they can do, not necessarily tells me what I can do. It just expresses our, our inalienable rights and and everything else that's listed there uh, and our right to a speedy trial and all of that stuff. But uh, it, 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 I've always viewed it as a limitation on the government and what type of power they can have. Do you think that view is wrong? No, I, I, I think your assessment is absolutely spot on. And, you know, I wish people would actually read and comprehend simultaneously uh, the Constitution of the United States and all the other patriotic documents. There are 65 of them 
in my new book that came out yesterday. It's available in bookstores nationwide. You can order it online. Um, and, and these were the fundamental principles uh, a tribute to the many patriots who came up with these principles, who made America a luminous beacon of hope for liberty, prosperity, and justice throughout the world. Um, but that liberty is the most important word of all, the liberty to go about our business without the government telling us what to think and what to do. But increasingly, people in politics think it's just the opposite, that they are put into office uh, to to tell us how to conduct our lives and what uh, we should believe in. And that's just fundamentally wrong. I, you know, our founders would be turning over in their graves to see that kind of behavior from government uh, officials. I agree with you, especially considering um, the fact that our founders were oppressed, right? They were oppressed by, by yeah. King George and, and, and the crown, and they, they literally fought this revolution um, tooth and nail as underdogs for this liberty. And I think painstakingly and quite, I'm going to go with the word perfectly, uh, constructed this document or drafted this document. And, and here we are today trying to uh, deconstruct this document for the benefit of the political will of whomever. And right. it, 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 they do that because of our fundamental illiteracy when it comes to the Constitution. Uh, yeah, it I'm really grateful. is. You know, yeah, it, go, it, it's no, so amazing. We, we, we did a segment the other evening on Fox News. Man on the Street went out, asked people fundamental questions about mm -hmm. government, history, civics. And everybody flunked. And most of the people answering the question uh, appear to me to be, you know, in their 20s or 30s or so, uh, and questions like, well, uh, what was the Revolutionary War about? Uh, who won the Civil War? Uh, what was the Cold War? A, a young woman said of the Cold War, oh, uh, well, uh, it was chilly back then. I mean, look, these people, uh, you're tempted to just dismiss them as morons. No, they're <laughs> victims of an education system in America that has failed them. Uh, it, you know, they don't learn this stuff the way I did. I'm almost 70 years old in public schools where it was vitally important that we know the Constitution, understand it, uh, and know how our government works and know our nation's distinguished history uh, from the beginning until the present. You know, we've been blessed with such extraordinary leaders. They steal our resolve for independence, self-determination, but the government now wants to toss out the window self-determination, and they want to determine everything for us. Folks, we're on with Greg Jarrett. He's the author of The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents. Brand new book out yesterday. Pick up two copies. We're coming right back with him to discuss uh, the constitutionality of a few things. Don't miss it. I'm Rich Valdez. It's America at Night. Our guest, Greg Jarrett. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? 
you need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue our discussion, and I just want to share a quick headline with you. Uh, you've got President Trump filing a motion for mistrial in his New York fraud case uh, based on... Um, saying that his constitutional rights uh, have been have been um, eliminated because of the bias of the judge. Uh, he's not getting a fair trial. And uh, subsequently, similar news, uh, Hunter Biden is asking a judge to subpoena Trump uh, and some former DOJ officials in his criminal uh, gun case. Uh, Greg Jarrett, I want to continue talking about your book, but I wanted to get your quick reaction to these items. Uh, do you think uh, President Trump has a shot at getting this motion? I think the judge has signaled that he's not interested in honoring this motion. What say you? Yeah, I mean, he has to uh, file it uh, to establish a record for appeal. But it, it will go nowhere with this hyper-biased judge, Arthur Ngoran, who has made it abundantly clear he's going to rule against Trump. Uh, the good news, I think, for the Trump organization, the Trump family is that I seriously doubt any of it will ever stand up on appeal uh, because the state brought this case against Trump based on a cockamamie, bizarre consumer protection law that completely undermines more than a century of established common law that requires proof of intent to deceive in fraud cases. <laughs> this oddball statute erases all of that. Well, you can't do that. But uh, Trump is right in the mistrial motion, as I've been arguing from the beginning on air and in columns, this law also violates the U.S. Constitution. It penalizes incorrect commercial speech, which the First Amendment absolutely protects. Yeah, and, and trying to destroy his business at the same time. And um, what do you think about this uh, play by Hunter Biden? Do you think that gets a... Uh... Any uh, any traction? It's classic Abby Lowell, his his attorney, uh, who I've uh, known a little bit throughout the years, but I've certainly followed his career. Uh, you know, the best defense is a good offense. So you know, it's a little bit like uh, you know a card game. Don't watch this hand, watch this one. Um, and you know, I mean. 
they should be thanking Trump. It wasn't Trump who who brought gun charges. Uh, it was right. Joe Biden's Department of Justice. So, you know, this is a, a typical charade from Abby Lowell. It seems that way. Now, I want to delve back into the book because uh, something you mentioned that, you know, you'd studied the Constitution and whatnot. And my, my first foray with the Constitution was at public school 197 in Brooklyn. I was in my fifth grade uh, classroom with uh, Gerald Banker, who was my teacher, really good teacher, by the way. And um, I remember him putting so much emphasis on the Constitution. I had no idea about his politics or any politics at that time, just that my parents like Reagan. But uh, I he made it come alive to make sense to a fifth grader. Yeah. And it was something that stuck with me. And then, you know, when you revisit it doing U.S. History 1, U.S. History 2 and other uh, social studies and civics classes throughout, you know, uh, middle school and high school, uh, it was it was, you know, still fresh in my mind. There were things I learned there that I never forgot. And, you know, and then I had the opportunity to be uh, Mark Levin's producer for five years. And uh, I learned a lot there, too. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, I, I think it's critically important to. To, to read books like yours to really understand these founding documents. Because if you don't know, you don't know, right? And, and I think yeah. that's the key. And you mentioned something earlier about how our education system has failed so many Americans. Uh, but I can't help but wonder if that's by design. Yeah, you spoke admiringly of, of your teacher. Um, I can say the same of mine. Where have all those teachers gone? That's my question. Uh, they vanished. Uh, they don't teach this, as I mentioned before, uh, in schools anymore. Uh, and we have plenty of evidence of this, um, which is one of the reasons why I wrote the book. Uh, it is a unique collector's edition of the many writings, speeches, letters, not just of our founders, Rich, but their successors over the course of two centuries. I carefully selected them. I explained their importance. These vital promises, the navigating principles that they wrote about and spoke about, uh, shaped our nation. And, you know, in the book, you can read it in full. And it helped transform public sentiment to advance eventually equality, opportunity, empowering generations of people. Uh, and their eloquent beliefs and their convictions, um, they pop off the pages here. You know, I've known, as I say, 65 of these uh, different writings and, and addresses. I've certainly known them throughout the years, uh, and mm -hmm. I selected them, put them in the book, and when I read them over and over again, I was filled with admiration and, and pride. You know, how blessed uh, am I, are we, to have been fortunate to have such extraordinary leaders. Well, and I, I feel like we're we're at a, a loss for that today, or at least uh, there's a vacuum of those types of leaders. And I, I don't know how we get back to a place like that with the teachers union that's as strong as it is, other than books like yours where people can actually, you know, kind of learn on their own and, you know, kind of heeding yeah. Reagan's call to be informed patriots. Yeah, you know, I blame uh, the powerful teachers union who uh, care more about themselves and less about uh, the students they teach. Randy Weingarten, I think, has been a destructive force as the leader of the major union. Um, and, you know, in, instead of teaching 
basic civics, which everybody absolutely needs as a U.S. citizen to understand our country. Um, they've gone off on, well, we're going to teach critical race theory and the, the most extreme form of CRT. Uh, and I wrote about this in my last book, The Trial of the Century. The most extreme form is where people are taught, young people, students are taught to judge everyone by the color of their skin, to see everything that happens in the world through the lens of racism. And if the color of your skin is dark, you are by definition oppressed. You are a victim. And if your skin happens to be light, you are an oppressor, a victimizer. Now, uh, that's insanity, as you well know, Rich. Of course. Um, and people should reject it, and parents should be absolutely outraged. Unfortunately, not enough of them are. Absolute, uh, absolute crazy town, honestly. Yeah, really. Right, Jared, is. I think that there's, there's so much to, to unpack, and uh, we're going to take a quick pause. I'm going to come right back and um, give you an opportunity to tell all the listeners why they need to buy two copies of this book. I think it's fantastic, and uh, your other books, like The Russia Hoax and others, are, are spot-on bestsellers, and this one, no doubt, will be the same. Folks, we're on with uh, Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett. He's the author of the brand-new book, The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Greg Jarrett. He's a Fox News legal analyst. You've seen him uh, all over Fox News for years now. He's written a number of good books, and his latest is The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents. Uh, the book is out yesterday. I recommend getting two copies of it, one for yourself, one to give away, maybe as a stocking stuffer, or just give it to a liberal to tick him off. Greg Jarrett. Um, I love this stuff and I eat this stuff up, but for those who are, aren't, um, really into reading about history or our founding documents, uh, what can they look forward to learning or gleaning from your latest book? Well, it's not just our, our founders who offered stern warnings about unscrupulous, unprincipled people in power. Uh, but it's other bold and transcendent figures, Rich, uh, throughout more than 200 years of American history. Mm -hmm. uh, people high on my list are Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, Susan B. Anthony, Teddy Roosevelt, Ronald Reagan. Um, the America we know today was shaped by their wisdom, their vision, their inspiring words, their galvanizing ideas, and the common denominator among all of these exceptional men and women, was their abiding faith in our country's greatness. And it was fortified by their devotion to patriotism, why that word is in the title of my book. Uh, Americans found both solace and illumination in their words, and they still can. And 
you know, look, in an era when too many have forgotten our country's remarkable past, uh, the noble ideas, I think, and the uplifting words of these exceptional leaders are needed now more than ever uh, to rekindle the indomitable American spirit. Amen to that. Uh, Greg Jarrett, I want you to let everybody know where they can find your book. What's the easiest way for them to buy it? Well, the easiest way is to do what I often do. Uh, Go to Amazon.com and uh, order it there. Uh, It'll be delivered to your doorstep. You can go to uh, my publisher, HarperCollins.com. You can go to my website and order it, TheGregJarrett.com. Um, or go to any bookstore. Uh, the book came out yesterday. Uh, it's nationwide. You can find it at Barnes and Noble or order it from BarnesandNoble.com. And you know, I think it's one of those books where you don't have to read it cover to cover. Um, there is a wonderful table of contents. It's divided in chronological order uh, into sections of our nation's history. And you can pluck uh, whatever speech or writing you want that addresses whatever issue is on your mind. And, you know, it's a a book to keep on your shelf or on your table, uh, ready to be opened. And, Greg Jarrett, let everybody know your website and how they could listen to your podcast and any other uh, projects you've got going on. Well, my website is thegregjarrett.com. Pretty easy to go to and click on. And I have uh, articles every day, uh, columns, opinion columns that I write. I do a podcast called uh, The Brief. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's pretty easy to access. And let me say one more thing about this book. Of course. Um, you know, one of the reasons I wrote it was because there's no other book out there like it. Um, and no other book with a full copy of the Constitution, uh, not printed overseas and not full of, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton's speeches that follow, uh, or a deconstructive quibbling about our history. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book. And it, I do not promote an agenda. Uh, it has the full documents themselves. Conservative documents, liberal documents from Booker T. Washington to Ronald Reagan. The book is fundamentally a philosophically patriotic book. And anybody who loves our great country and who cares about our future by understanding its past uh, should get a copy of this book. And Greg Jarrett, does it include um, any of the Federalist Papers or the Anti-Federalist Papers? It does. It, it absolutely does. Now, obviously, you don't want to include, what, 78 essays of the Federalist Papers by Hamilton, Madison, and, and John Jay. So I picked out what I thought were the most essential. There are three of them edited down. Um, and, you know, I explain uh, the history of the United States, the importance of the documents, not just in the introduction that I wrote, but in a uh, interstitial explanation at the front end of each and every section throughout the book so that, that people have context to understand why I pick these particular documents, why they were written, what they mean, and why they're so vitally important. Outstanding work as usual. 
Uh, Greg Jarrett, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I appreciate you staying up late to break it down for us, and I uh, hope to have you back on soon. My pleasure, Rich. Anytime. Enjoy talking to you always. You bet. Have a good Thanksgiving. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Again, in an update, the um, Democrat National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C. was under attack by pro-Hamas demonstrators that turned into a riot with them trying to break into the DNC. Uh, This spilled over to the Capitol office building, which was put on lockdown because of these events. And uh, police were in riot gear. They used pepper spray to uh, arrest certain people and try to disperse the crowds. And as we have more information on that, I'll get it to you. Now, I also want to talk about the big, big story of the day besides uh, this um, 150 people trying to break into the uh, DNC near the Capitol. The, um, The president, right? President Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden. He uh, he's had a long history of saying very flattering things about China, calling them an adversary, not an enemy and things of that nature and saying, you know, that we just yesterday we heard a clip of him saying we're not going to decouple from China. I didn't know that we were coupled with China. (laughs) But anyway, that is um, what happened today. It was a big old love fest. And uh, if you've been on social media at any point today, you've seen the video. It's like an aerial or a high up building shot of the motorcade coming into uh, San Francisco. And there's not an American flag in sight, but there's tons of flags for red China waving and waving. And that was uh, Twitter and Instagram and the rest of the social media. Truth Social were ablaze today with uh, critiques and commentary about not seeing any American flags on President Xi visiting um, Biden here in the United States in California. And again, this comes just weeks after Governor Gavin Newsom was in China, um, knocking down little boys, pretending to play basketball and meeting with uh, Xi's pals. So uh, I want you to hear a little bit of a, of a montage we have of Joe Biden and the Democrats just praising China. Check it out. We know each other for a long time. China is not our enemy. I believe then, and I'm even more convinced now, that a rising China is an incredibly positive development for not only China, but the United States and the rest of the world. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. China is a great nation, and we should hope for the continued expansion. We want to see China rise. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world. China is going to eat our lunch Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not they're competition for us. China's not our problem. We can help them with some of their problems. China's not a problem. The idea that China is going to eat our lunch is bizarre. And so, what are we what are we worried about? We talk about China as our competitor. We should be helping. Do you think, in retrospect, that you were naive about China? No. I do. I think you're naive about a lot of things, President Biden. But of course, that's not really true. He's not naive. He knows exactly what he's doing. He pretends to be a bumbling fool. But uh, I think he knows exactly the danger that this poses. And 
Uh, we've got more audio. Just we're running short on time. Let me see. I think I can pull this one off. Let's play cut number two. We know each other for a long time. We haven't always agreed. Actually, it's not surprised anyone. But our meetings have always been candid, straightforward, and useful. I've never doubted what you've told me in terms of your candid nature in which you speak. And that's I what he's saying account. to President Xi. He values his candid nature and assurances and what he speaks. Listen, Joe El Baboso Biden is, I don't know what word to use here on the radio, uh, stroking the ego of President Xi. And I don't know if he does it because he's under pressure or if he does it because he's truly a fan or he's just on the take or all of the above. But either way, not a good look for America. And wait till you hear what Biden had to say at this speech. He was bumbling all over the place. You, you could barely understand what he's saying. It seemed like it was past his bedtime. Anyway, folks, we continue uh, with uh, the discussion on racism in America. How did we get here and what role did Barack Obama play? Don't go anywhere. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. octane action in the dust, a new film puts... Our staff of correspondents provide a fast-paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the Morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to our number two of the program. If you want to join us, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And again, as reported earlier, there was a, a, a riot that broke out outside of the DNC, the Democrat National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C., just around the corner from the uh, Capitol office building where um, Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna was there with her husband and their, their newborn child. And the Capitol offices were put on lockdown because of the violence from the uh, pro Hamas. Uh, I'm going to call them domestic terrorists posing as rioters. And that's part of the news. Uh, other parts of the news, we have President Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden, meeting with Xi Jinping today in San Francisco at their uh, summit. And with President Xi saying that conflict and confrontation have unbearable consequences. It almost seems like he was threatening Biden while he was here on American soil. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. And uh, there were also um, uh, other reports that I'm going to get to a little bit later. I'm not going to bog you down with that because I want to jump right in to, you know, how did we get so divided? And I can say, look, there's always been division. There's always been the left and a right and conservatives and liberals and progressives now. Uh, but 
things weren't so racially motivated. They weren't so racially heated. You know, yesterday and the day before, we talked a little bit about the um, this kid, um, Lewis, last name L-E-W-I-S, who says that, well, he didn't say anything. He, he tried to stand up for another kid, and he was beaten to death. White kid beat up by uh, 10 or 15 black kids. And again, I don't think it was racially motivated. I just I say that because the media failed to say it. But when it's the other way around, they never failed to say it. And y- you look at all of this racial animus that's in our media, that's in our government, that's in our rhetoric, that's in our national discourse. And you can't help but think, where did it come from? I can't remember things being so divisive, divisive uh, prior to our president, then president, commander in chief, Barack Obama, saying, you know, if I had a son, uh, he'd look like Trayvon Martin. And that was, I think, a pivotal turning point for, for us and Ferguson, Missouri. And, and, and Obama seemed to really fuel that because, again, he's a, a left-leaning radical at heart, uh, posing as a president. And since then, that's only taken off on steroids. So I want to get to uh, the bottom of, of Obama's involvement in our current racial divide with Scott McKay. He's the founder of uh, Hayride, and he's also the author of the book, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin, It's All Obama. Scott McKay, welcome. Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Um, I'm really interested in speaking about this because this is one of those things when I'm out and about in my private life and people like to taunt me to get to do what I do at work in real life, uh, I usually shy away from it because they're not paying me. But I, when I do engage, it's usually on this topic. And I go, well, hold on a second. Things weren't this bad, you know, prior to Obama. And they lose their stuff because people think Obama was a saint. And I, I think he's, you know, I don't know. I wasn't alive for Carter, uh, or I was born at the end of that administration. But I can tell you, in, in my recollection, I think between it's a toss up between Biden and Obama as the most destructive president in American history. What say you? Well, I, I would say that that's correct. And I would also say that, you know, between Biden and Obama is basically a distinction without a difference, um, largely because the Biden administration is the Obama redux administration. And if you look mm-hmm. at the people who make most of the decisions in, in uh, on Team Biden, they're Team Obama. It's the same people that were in you know, similar positions within the Obama administration. And all you really have to do is go back and look at the Democrat primary process in 2020. And, it, you know, when you analyze that, what you realize is, uh, you know, how deep the, uh, the connections go. If you'll remember, early on, before the, the primary process got started in, uh, I guess, in 2019, Team Obama was lining up behind Kamala Harris. Right. Uh, and they couldn't make that. So, I mean, she was going to be, you know, the next big thing in the Democrat Party. But she crashed and burned, uh, you know, when that primary thing got started. And, you know, Joe Biden was not the front runner at the beginning of that process either. He was, you know, third, fourth, fifth in some of these early primaries. And then if you'll remember, it all just kind of came into, into position for him. All these guys started dropping out of the race. And all of a sudden, the field was set for, for Biden to run away with it and get the nomination. And then what did he do? He picked Kamala Harris as his vice presidential candidate. And so out of more than two dozen people that were running in that primary, 
We had two people that 80% of the Democrats didn't want to vote for ended up the president and the vice president. And what they had in common was they were the puppets of team Obama. And of course, uh, you know, all of this came to uh, really to a head, I guess, when Barack Obama visited the white house, uh, I guess this was in what the summer of 2021, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you'll remember the video, I mean, he's treated like a conquering hero and, you know, Joe Biden, who's the president of the United States, can't even find somebody to have a conversation with. <laughs> and it's all on video. And it's it was patently obvious at that point that the boss had come. Um, you know, Obama's the, the really the only president to choose to live in Washington, D.C. after his term ended. You know, the only other one that, that stayed in Washington was Woodrow Wilson, who was a stroke patient who couldn't be moved. Right. Um, Barack Obama goes and buys a mansion in Calorama, uh, and, you know, people are driving up in limousines all the time to pay him visits. Uh, so this is a totally different uh, kind of experience than we've had in, uh, in American history uh, with a former president who is basically still running a national political machine. And it's, it's clearly the case with Obama uh, the, the, the power is certainly there. And if you analyze what goes on within the Biden administration and, and the choices that they make and the policies that they pursue and the results they generate, these are all things that began during the eight years of Obama and have simply metastasized since then. Um, you know, whether it's the DEI and, and, you know, woke corporate America, whether it's, you know, some of these things you see in the, in the culture, uh, certainly, you know, policies, the green new deal and some of this other stuff, Hey, before the green new deal, there was Solyndra, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, you know, we've seen this over and over again, and it's just simply gotten worse. Um, you know, and, and the signs were all there. Uh, Obama, you know, right as uh, on the verge of his election, he, he ran around talking about, you know, the fundamental transformation of America. Um, and to a large measure, he succeeded in that without actually being a good president for those two terms. I mean, you know, like you said, he was he was destructive. And that's certainly true. Um, but I mean, he, you can't point to much of anything that Obama did that benefited the American people. And yet he's still the most influential poli- political figure of the 21st century at this point. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And, and I think there's a distinction in so much as uh, President Trump also has considerable um, influence in the Republican Party, and I'd say is the de facto leader. But I think the big difference here is he is legitimately running for president <laughs> where Obama's supposed to right. be, you know, kind of hands off here. Uh, but he's playing puppeteer folks. We're on with Scott McKay. He's the author of racism, revenge and ruin. It's all Obama. And uh, he's the publisher of the Hayride, an award winning culture and politics site that covers Southern and national current events. Uh, I pull articles from there every now and again. It's a great website. You should definitely check it out and get a couple of copies of his book as well. And we're going to continue this conversation on how bad Obama was, uh, because this is like I said, this is the one point I rarely shy away from, because I, I think anybody who tells me he's smart, he's great. He was an amazing orator. He was a fantastic statesman. I say. BS. I'm not buying it. I think the guy was extremely destruct- destructive. And uh, and worse yet, 
he was honest in the process, like you just mentioned. He said he wanted to fundamentally change America, and that he did. So, folks, stick with us if you want to join the conversation. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back. Amigos, we're speaking with Scott McKay about his book, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. It's all Obama. He's also a columnist at The American Spectator. And Scott McKay, uh, we left off with um, what a great president Barack Obama was. Ha! Just kidding. Um, how he really stoked the racial divide in this country. And I, I want to learn more about your book. Um, because I, I, the, the title is very catchy and, uh, it, it seems like an excellent read. Tell us about it. Well, you know, the, the book traces, like, like I mentioned before, uh, the origins of a lot of what's going on today come from the, uh, the time that Obama was president. It's not a history book because, you know, this stuff is all current, right? Um, and a, a lot of what the book talks about is, is to, to, to give the basic uh, information about, you know, who Barack Obama is and, and how uh, he's changed America in ways that the American people didn't vote for. Um, you know, and, and to, to some degree, Obama was honest uh, in how he presented himself. But in, you know, in other respects, he wasn't. We were not allowed to vet Barack Obama as a presidential candidate should have been vetted. I mean, this was a guy who uh, the uh, the origins of his uh, development as a, a political actor were basically laid down in Dreams from My Father, right, the, which, mm-hmm. which was the first of two autobiographies he wrote. He didn't actually write Dreams from My Father. More than likely, it was ghostwritten by Bill Ayers. Hmm. Um, who, by the way, has essentially reshaped American education and not in ways that anybody would have thought were, were a good idea. Um, and that was part of his you know, connection with Obama, uh, even though he was we were told Ayers was just, you know, just a guy in my neighborhood. Hmm. Um, but, you know, had he been properly vetted and had the connections to people like Ayers and Jeremiah Wright and Frank Marshall Davis been known, there's no way he would have been president. It simply wouldn't have happened. But the value proposition for Obama, and this is where the fundamental uh, dishonesty comes, the value proposition from, for Obama was that if you make this guy president, you can put all of this racial stuff to bed once and for all, because how can America be a racist country if it's willing to elect a black guy president? Um, mm-hmm. And you know the opportunity to bring the country together along racial lines uh, was there, and he deliberately chose to monetize racial division 
to enact the leg- uh, the uh, the agenda that that um, that he pushed, which was a very hard a hard left uh, radical agenda that was antithetical to the founding of the country, and and you know we're dealing with the damage that that came from that 16 years, 15, 16 years later. Um, And so the book is all about, you know, basically getting the message across that they would have you believe that this is just the natural evolution of America. And that is a lie. This is, this is not organic. It was contrived and it was executed by, you know, a faction of people that Barack Obama is uh, is still the most influential member of. Scott McKay, I agree with a lot of what you said, and, and I'm not playing devil's advocate. I'm just going to say I remember Obama running and hearing about the the Bill Ayers and the Jeremiah Wright and and just um, a couple of excerpts that I, I read from his book. And I thought this guy is a radical and really by yes. his own admission, he was a radical. And I thought if we elect this guy, we're getting a radical like he's a real a 60s leftist radical, but a younger version. <laughs> and, you know, right. it was shocking to me that he was getting the gravitas that he did. But you're right. The media pulled the wall over everybody's eyes. Right. And and really ran yeah. this con job about electing the first black president. And, um, you know, I don't like to hold grudges. Uh, but anybody listening, if you voted for Obama, I am mad at you. <laughs> I am very mad at you, and you better send <laughs> you a donation. Did this to us. You better buy two copies of Jeff uh, Scott McKay's book and uh, donate some money to to your favorite Republican candidate. Because I, I got to tell you, I, I saw this coming a mile away, and I'm not prescient in any way. I just I, I saw what I saw, and I think he, th- that's why I say he was honest about it. Unlike Joe Biden, because Joe Biden, I feel, um, came across as I was vice president, I was a senator, I have this pedigree, I'm you know I'm lunch bucket Joe where it was easier for him to fool everybody. And honestly, he, the man has no ideology, right? He, he goes to the highest bidder right. and he goes wherever the wind blows. But I think you're spot on in your analysis. Now, um, in the couple of minutes we have remaining, I want you to tell everybody about the, um, uh, A, about the hayride and the type of stuff you cover, and then B, uh, about how they can get a copy of the book. Well, I'll, I'll start with B. Look, the best way to you know go to the usual places, the book's available at Amazon, Barnes and, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Calamo Press's website has it. It's in pre-order right now. It actually publishes on November the 21st. But you can get, you know, get your copy reserved uh, by going to any of those places. You know, tonight would be a good idea. Um, Amen to that. I, I, I've been doing the Hayride since 2009. Uh, you know, I got started as a blogger, you know, really looking for a hole in the market. And Louisiana didn't have a conservative website. Um, and so, you know, I, I, you know, started providing some commentary and they you know, found a little bit of an audience and, uh, you know, it led to some interesting things three years later, uh, you know, the, the American spectator picked me up as a columnist and I've been doing that ever since. Um, and then, you know, eventually book publishers came along and, and that's kind of led me to, uh, to, to this thing and, you know, love the guys at Calamo press. They're a dream to work with. Well, Scott McKay, this sounds like it's going to be a runaway bestseller. And folks, I highly recommend it. Check it out. Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. It's all Obama. And I I love the idea that it's, like you said, it's not history. It's a kind of a a connecting of dots of recent history and recent events and explaining what's happening today by um, highlighting the precursors that occurred during the Obama administration and his uh, election. Uh, 
Scott McKay, tell everybody how they can find you online, whether it's um, social media or your website. Yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm uh, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X, but uh, find me at, uh, at The Hayride uh, on, uh, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, you can check us out at thehayride.com. Also, the, the national conservative site that we've got is reviver.com, which is rviver.com. And the spectator.org is always a great place to find my stuff as well. Outstanding, Scott McKay. You are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I thank you for staying up late with us. Thanks, Rich. Take care. You bet. Happy Thanksgiving. Folks, there's more to come straight ahead. We continue discussing the news of the day with my buddy Joe Pags. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. Those individuals that, that, that watch list that we talk about, uh, why do you think in four years before this, there were only 11 and suddenly there are uh, 294 in the past few years? Why do you think that's so? I can't I can't really speak to, you know, to to that issue. It's not not in my lane. I can tell you the threats that come from the other side of the border uh, are very much consuming all 56 of our field offices, not just in the border states. Uh, that's why I made the point. For sure. I, I, I agree. What, if I heard you correctly, what you just said is not every state in the country is a border state now. Is that what you just said? Well, I didn't. I mean, the threats to every that state. way, but the threats that come from the other side of the border are affecting every state. Absolutely. One hundred percent. All right. That is a clip from the hearing today of FBI Director Ray uh, with uh, Representative Mark Green. And uh, in effect, he says, yeah, the threats that are coming across the border affect every single state. Now, I think uh, more and more states are feeling that every single day. But I want to get into that with uh, our buddy, Joe Pags. Joe Pags is a syndicated talk radio host, been doing this for a very long time. He's one of the best in the business, and he's here with us now. Joe Pags, welcome, sir. Rich, always a pleasure, my friend. Good to see you down in Florida. Oh, yeah. I bumped into the first person I saw walking into Mar-a-Lago. I, I see this good-looking guy, deep voice. He's like, hey, Rich, how are you? I said, hey, it's my buddy Joe Pags. I thought I was, honestly, I didn't know who I was going to know in there. And it was, it was a pleasure to see. I thought you saw Bongino first or something. I didn't think it was me. What are you talking about? No, I, I saw you first. You're, you were the first one. And it, it was really good to see you. Now, Joe Pags, um, when you hear Christopher Ray, and we got a couple of clips of this. I don't know how much we'll get to. But uh, Christopher Ray at the hearing today saying that uh, the First of all, he says that he can't guarantee that terrorists are not coming through the open border. Uh, then he says, yeah, whatever's coming through is affecting every single state. Um, this to me is uh, obviously it's alarming. We're all alarmed by this. But what do you make of Ray and why is he still there? He shouldn't be. Um, Christopher Ray should be out of a job. Uh, you know, it's one of the things that I, I love Donald Trump uh, as a guy. I think he was a great president. I've interviewed him a lot of times, and I think that should he become the president again next year, he's going to surround himself with people that can advise him better 
on who to put in these jobs. Bill Barr was a bust. This guy was a bust. I mean, you can go down the list. Mike Pence, it turns out, was a bust. Um, at the end of the day, Christopher Ray should be out of a job. I am so sick and tired of people in this administration specifically who keep saying, I can't speak to that. I can't speak. First of all, who, who talks like that? Uh, I can't talk about it, maybe. I don't know anything about it. I can't speak to that. It's a KJP thing. It's a Christopher Ray thing. It is a Mayorkas thing. I can't speak to that. Nobody has any accountability whatsoever. And you know that I'm based here in Texas. We've got seven to eight million that have come across this border since, um, since Biden's been in office. And it certainly is in every state issue now. Every state is a border state. On one side, he says, I, I, can't really, I can't really speak to whether there are terrorists coming across. And then he says every one of their field offices is dealing with the problems at the border. Uh, Rich, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break some news here on your program tonight. Go for it, bro. Terrorists brother. are coming across the border, Rich. Uh, I just thought I'd go ahead and tell you, I can speak to it, and I'm not in the FBI. They're coming across <laughs> the border. There are 250 of them that we know are on the watch list that got through, and we don't know how many didn't get through that, that aren't on the watch list that, that, that are they're terrorists and want to do bad things to us. So I, the, the first question was, why is he still there? I don't know. I have no, I have no answer, my friend. You know, Joe Pags, I think this is a, a brutal situation, and, and you guys in Texas are at the forefront, as are uh, the Patriots in Arizona. And I don't see an end in sight. Um, I'm here for, for you to talk me off the ledge because sometimes I think I live in this utopian conservative fantasy that, you know, if we elect the right people and you do what you do and I do what I do, and that somehow we're going to get better, more conservative Tea Party type candidates elected and we're going to have a smaller, more responsible, fiscally responsible government that's going to protect the borders and, and keep America safe and make America better. And, and, and then I wake up and I watch the news and I hear these clips and I think, gosh, what's going on, Joe Pags? I was much better prepared last week, Rich, to talk you off the ledge. And here's what I mean. <laughs> last week was before so many Republicans said, sure, let's build a $375 million new complex for the FBI bigger than the Pentagon. That was yeah. before they did that. Um, and they didn't use any leverage. They didn't say, okay, you want the $375 million? close the border, or get rid of the 87,000 you know, IRS agents. They aren't using their leverage at all. I could have talked you off the ledge better then. I probably could have talked you off the ledge better when Marjorie Taylor Greene decided she would push for the articles of impeachment against Mayorkas, and eight Republicans you know, didn't go against her, and 11 didn't just not vote. Although Nancy Mace has said she had a family emergency, she would have voted along with Marjorie Taylor Greene. So as much as we think, and you're right, we think that we – elect conservatives or at least Republicans, and they'll do our bidding, they don't. They want to get along with the other side. I mean, we saw that in the Senate when they passed that ridiculous budget that Nancy Pelosi put up before she was out of the speakership. Right. So we know who these people are. They're the uniparty. They're the war party. They're the fill-in-the-blank party. They're not conservatives. you got some that are and some that really want to get it done. But, um, buddy, I'll grab you off the ledge, and I'll ask you not to get on there again because I don't know how much strength I have in our politics right now to talk you down again. Ay, ay, bendito. Not what I wanted to hear, but it is the facts, and nobody gives you the facts like Joe Paggs. Folks, stick around. We're going to continue with Joe Paggs straight ahead. I want to keep talking about these hearings today, plus a little bit on uh, Xi Jinping and uh, his summit with Joe El Baboso Biden. That's coming up straight ahead as well, plus your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. 
That's Valdez with an S. More people in the United States between the ages of 18 and 49 die from fentanyl than from guns, car accidents, or any other cause, period. So today, with this new understanding, we're taking action to significantly reduce the flow of precursor chemicals and pill presses from China to the Western Hemisphere. I think I, I know the man. I know his modus operandi. He's been, uh, we have disagreements. He has a different view than I have on a lot of things, but he's been straight. I don't mean that it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's just been straight. That's uh, President Joe El Baboso Biden. Of course, El Baboso in Spanish means um, bumbling, drooling, slimy, idiot moron. And uh, he's talking about how much he trusts Xi Jinping for being a straight shooter and how fentanyl is pouring across his open border. Joe Pags, what say you? That one word in Spanish means all that? Wow. Yes, that's the beauty of Spanish. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, here's a guy that is owned by the guy who's visiting. You know, many people said that uh, Joe Biden should not be meeting with, with Ping. I disagree. I think you meet with Xi. I think you meet with, uh, with the little rocket man. I think you meet with people face-to-face and, and look them right in the eye and tell them to stop it. But that isn't what happened here. Uh, you know, uh, she shows up and basically controls the whole thing. Biden comes out, gets in trouble with Blinken. I don't know if you saw this, but Anthony Blinken, who doesn't have an H for some reason, is shaking Biden off as he's calling as he's calling she a dictator to uh, answer some reporter's question. Um, the, the whole thing is is such a photo op. What I feel bad for Rich. I feel horrible for the residents of San Francisco and Oakland who actually have a semi nice place to live for a minute. And as soon as this guy leaves, the fences that don't work, and, uh, and the, the people will, uh, the fences will be gone, the people will be back, people will be going to the bathroom in the streets again. That's basically what's going to go on. But the whole idea that this guy shows up and we roll out the red carpet, yet we can't take care of homeless veterans and people who are drug addicted or mentally ill on the side of the road, that whole thing makes me sick. The, the, this visit is just a photo op. Now, with Trump, you had, you had she sitting at Mar-a-Lago as Trump said, hold on, we'll have dessert in a minute. Drop those 56, you know, um, Tomahawk missiles on Syria. Okay, would you like some coffee? I mean, that was a tough guy. That was somebody who said we're not going to play around. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm, I'm of the belief that Joe Biden just doesn't have the, the cojones to actually really ever do anything like that. Uh, the best I've seen him do is blow up a, a warehouse that he claims was a, a, some sort of a weapons munitions place. How do we... Let's see. I'm back on the ledge here. How do we get out of this but for an election? You know, it's got to be an election because uh, as much as I want to put some power into the hands of the House of Representatives, they refuse to take it from us. We give them what 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 they wanted. They can defund everything starting from the top all the way down. They can defund all these stupid special counsels. They can defund any ability to send money over to Ukraine. They can defund uh, allowing this guy to, to come into, into San Francisco and, and walk around like it's little Beijing. But the House of Representatives is afraid. And, Rich, I don't know if it's, it's, they're afraid to lose their, their executive workout club card in, you know, on K Street somewhere in Washington. I don't know if they're afraid that they won't be asked to, that, to the three martini lunches with the Democrats. 
I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if they're all on the take, getting money from the, the war machines. I don't know what it's going to take, but we literally gave them what they said. Listen, just give us the purse strings, and we will start defunding stuff. We will get us back on track, lower spending, lower regulations, true freedom in America. But instead, we are acting more like China today than any time in my recent memory. I, I don't remember a time when we were locked down like we are right now by an administration probably run by Obama. Because as you said, Biden's probably not running anything. Uh, again, get off the ledge, close the window. Um, you're going to have to hold your breath for about another year and hope to God we get a bigger majority in the House, the majority back in the Senate. Maybe we get the presidency back and we can right this ship. Well, amen to that, brother. I'm, I'm not jumping just yet. But uh, now that we're talking 2024, uh, there's all sorts of stuff out there. Uh, there's Trump's going to get uh, convicted somewhere. He's not going to make it. It's this and that and the other. Uh, I don't know how much of that I believe. What's your thought on that? I think Trump is going to be found uh, responsible in New York, and then the appellate court will overturn it. That is a witch hunt. Letitia James ran to get him. Then Leiden said she didn't run to get him. You've got a judge that said you are guilty before it even started and then won't let his legal counsel even even represent him. I had Alina Haba on last week, and she, just, she lit the judge up. She lit Letitia James up. He's going to be found responsible on that one that's going to be overturned. When it comes to Alvin Bragg, there's no case there. Nobody's even talking about that anymore. That's not going to happen. Jack Smith may have something in Washington, D.C. when it comes to the one document he allegedly showed to a reporter. We hear the audio tape of it. He could have been showing her a napkin. I have no idea what he was showing her. But that's one thing that might be a slap on the wrist, but it's not espionage. It's not him trying to sell it to the reporter. And by the way, anything he showed her, even though he said it was classified, it wasn't. As soon as he takes it out of the White House, it's automatically declassified under the Presidential Records Act. So I think that you'll probably find a conviction on something by Jack Smith, not going to be the insurrection garbage, maybe one document, probably responsible in New York. The Alvin Bragg case, uh, case goes away. And the Fannie Willis case in Georgia, come on, dude. Come on, man. My eight-year-old <laughs> daughter came up and said, hey, Dad, um, the Fannie Willis case in Georgia is stupid. Can I have more potatoes? And I said, yeah, yes, you can, honey. So I mean, that, that's just <laughs> dumb. That, that entire thing is, is ridiculous because now we're hearing every day about how votes were counted twice in Fulton County. They're admitting to it now. They're admitting, sure. yeah, we made a lot of mistakes in Georgia. So that case is going to go away, too. That's the only one, maybe a document case, Rich, in Washington. And, and that's not going to be any, there won't even be a slap on the wrist, to be honest with you. Now, my, my thinking here is I, I'm hearing whisper campaigns that, that Jack Smith will attempt, uh, uh, pardon the pun, a Trump card because he's an expert in bringing charges that, that don't stick, but getting the conviction, even though it gets overturned, and right. bringing a seditious conspiracy charge closer to the election. What do you think? Well, I think he could do that. He, he, he could do that. He, he could say it's an insurrection. He could say inciting violence. But as you, as you already alluded to, the guy is an expert at getting a conviction and then getting overturned at a higher court. Listen, Rich, the idea is not to jail this guy, because President Trump could still win even if he's behind bars. There's nothing that says he couldn't win the election. He might be the president behind bars. And by the way, he's not going to go behind bars because the Secret Service would, would never allow that to happen. Jack Smith might get that done because D.C. hates Trump, just like Manhattan hates Trump. You might get that, and then it gets overturned later. The whole plan here is to try to milk him dry of his money, just like Letitia James is trying to take all of his businesses and his right to do business in New York. This, it's to harm his, him as much as they can, like he did with Bob McDonald in, in Virginia. Sure. He was re rebuked eight to nothing in the Supreme Court that he was dead wrong on that, but what did he do in the process? He killed this guy's ability to be the, to, to be the Virginia governor again. That's the whole idea. This isn't about convicting him. This is about stopping him from winning again. So sedition, insurrection, whatever, whatever you want to put on it, he's going to try that. 
you know what, Rich? We all saw and heard what he said on January 6th. We also know, according to Cash Patel, and they've got the records to prove it, he offered ten to 20,000 National Guard troops on yeah. January 6th. Why on earth would a guy who wanted to pull an insurrection and, and overturn an election, why would he offer up ten to 20,000 who were turned down by D.C.'s mayor, by the Capitol Police, and, and, and by Nancy Pelosi? He wouldn't. He would just say, yeah, let's just let whatever happens happen. It just, uh, this is all a fairy tale. Uh, it's just a fairy tale. Folks, we're on with Joe Pags, talk show host extraordinaire. Check him out at JoePags.com. And we're going to come back and uh, get his views on what's going on with this, uh, with who's running for third place and second in the primaries. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, Joe Pags. Stick with us. Folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back. Amigos, we're on with our buddy Joe Pags. And Joe Pags, this weekend, uh, Saturday Night Live had a, their cold open a skit of the Republican debate. And at one point they say, somebody on this stage is going to be president of the United States. And out comes the comedian playing Donald Trump, which I thought was very funny. And it seems to many that this is a foregone conclusion that Trump wins the nomination. Um, who do you, A, do you agree with that? And B, who do you think comes in um, second place there? Not even going to be close. He's definitely going to get the nomination. I'm not really sure I understand why there's a debate process. I had Sean Spicer on yesterday, and he likes the debate process. I don't. I think Trump should have won in 2020. I think he deserves his second, uh, his second term. So I think that it's a foregone conclu- conclusion that he's going to be the guy. I'm wondering if Nikki Haley or, or Vivek Ramaswamy or Ron DeSantis are vying for the vice presidential job. Ron isn't going to get it because Trump finds him to be disloyal. Uh, Nikki Haley, probably not because she's for Trump. She's against Trump. You can't figure her out. Vivek is an interesting guy. Um, second place, I think, is going to go to DeSantis by default. Although, even in his own state, people don't love him anymore. I think Trump's beating him by 50 in Florida now. So it's, it's very interesting to watch the process. I like watching the process, but I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, well, I, th- I think uh, I, I'm not, I don't know if I, the word necessary is the word I'd use, but um, it's important. I think uh, maybe not in this particular one, because people know who Trump is and he has a record and it's a very unique situation. But in any other circumstance, you want to hear what these people have to say when they're, you know, put under pressure and whatnot. And honestly, look at how effective it's been at um, at the current candidates. Right. Ramaswamy, smooth talker. But, you know, occasionally it's like, what did he just say? Who, who are you, sir? And Nikki Haley, another one that, I mean, a lot of people had a lot of distrust for her early on. And I think that continues to um, uh, right. exacerbate. And uh, and DeSantis, who I think is fantastic. He's a great governor, uh, a very skilled politician. But in this particular matchup, uh, seems to be outmatched. And uh, I didn't see that coming. I thought it would have been a more contentious um, uh, and, and closer um, competition between him and Trump. And it doesn't seem to be that way at all. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I'm not against the debate process. In fact, I enjoy it. I used to moderate debates back when I was a TV news anchor in, in Michigan. I don't think there should be a primary in this in this case because the guy who I think uh, everybody on the stage voted for, I think they did, um, should who should have won in 2020, and without mail-in ballots, he would have won, I think, rather easily. Um, mm-hmm. He's running again. So I would like for them to have done this that we're watching now in the lead-up to 2028. I'm not sure why they're doing it now, but I'm with you. I don't think DeSantis came out as the fire brand, for lack of a better term, that, that, that he would be. Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy seem to want to, like, get into the ring and punch it out. It's very interesting. And then Chris Christie's like, oh, you're going to be called Donald Duck. I don't even know why he's up there, to be honest <laughs> with you. But, but, the, but the other three is very interesting to watch. It's almost like the dad is DeSantis and the two fighting kids are the other two. It's weird. Joe Pags, check him out at Joe Talk Show on social media. Joe Pags, quickly uh, plug your social media. Yeah, if you can, Joe Talk Show over on Instagram. It's also on Getter. It's Joe Pags on Truth. JoePags.com. Check out the show every night on Rumble. Outstanding. Check him out after this show. <laughs> Joe Pags, thanks for joining us, brother. God bless you. We'll be right back. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program, Wednesday night, hour number three. We call it Open Phone America, a tradition that's been on this program since before I was born. In 1978, Larry King started uh, the tradition of open phones across America, continued by the late, great Jim Bohannon for three decades, and we're going to continue that tradition tonight uh, you all and me, the phone number again, 833-4-VALDEZ. And earlier today, there was a hearing on Capitol Hill, several hearings. And we played some clips earlier from uh, the one with Christopher Ray, And we'll get into a little bit more of that in a moment because uh, was, the stuff on January 6th was really explosive. But I wanted to start off with Representative McCall. I think that you know, Mike McCall uh, out of uh, Texas. And... He's questioning Homeland Security Secretary uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who recently had his pay cut to one dollar uh, in a resolution that, that passed in Congress and uh, was almost impeached earlier this week when uh, when the articles of impeachment were brought against him. And he was saved by eight Republicans who uh, foolishly, I think, and to their detriment, uh, made that decision to not impeach him. Uh, but McCall let him have it today in the hearing. Listen to this. 18 U.S.C. Section 2A states, whoever commits an offense against the United States or aids and abets counsel's command, induces or procures its commission is punishable as the principal. Human trafficking, a criminal enterprise in this country now with people with no legal status, an entire population seven times over to be killed by fentanyls, 12 billion total 
300,000 people dead due to fentanyls. Sir, I would argue that you've been aiding and abetting the, the deaths and the criminal enterprise that has occurred in this nation. That's, uh, again, Congressman McCall uh, telling Alejandro Mayorkas today that he's aiding and abetting the deaths of people coming across that border and supporting the criminal enterprise of human smuggling and human trafficking that's occurring at Biden's open border. And like a faithful Democrat would do, Congressman Dan Goldman stepped up to defend him and say that it's very dangerous to accuse the secretary of this. Check this out. I think it's incredibly dangerous to accuse Secretary Mayorkas of aiding and abetting crimes. As you well know, you need to have the intent to do that. And uh, it is clear that whether you disagree or not with Secretary Mayorkas's approach to dealing with the border, that to accuse him of aiding, abetting crime is very serious and is, I think, uh, unwarranted in this situation. Well, gentlemen, yield. Yes. Um, Look, I live in a border state. You don't. And I've dealt with this issue for 25 years. I've never seen it this bad. It's his dereliction of duty that has created this problem in the United States. Seven million people. How are we going to deal with that? No legal status, human trafficking, fentanyls. Look, I, I, we will disagree on this one, but I have to say that the change of policy has created this problem, and he knows better. Alejandro Mayorkas knows better. Of course he does, and so does his boss, Joe El Baboso Biden. And it's a shame to see what's going on at the border. I want to get your thoughts on this because I think this is a very pressing issue. And we're going to get to your calls. We got calls from Ohio, from Vermont, Connecticut, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, and more coming in as we speak. The phone number again, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. Let's go to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Paul, go right ahead. Okay, um Quickly, uh, you have very good guests on, and I appreciate that. Thank Secondarily, you. Trump will win, and the one major reason uh, is uh, RFK Jr. I think he's going to pull a lot from Biden. Thirdly, uh, Trump is going to win because of the way that he's going to reduce the huge flow of illegal immigrants and terrorists. And how he's going to do that? He's going to finish building the wall, but he's got to do a couple of things. Number one, there are several places where you can't actually build a wall from from uh, reasons of uh, the, the, you know different ways that you can't uh, make it come down and back up again. <clears throat> but what he has to do, I think, is to stop the, the actual immigrants from coming and make a tunnel under the wall. Is, is that where those gaps are, put up large reception centers and also large places to house these people while they're being vetted, rather than send them out into the country where most don't come back. And then also put a barrier that's deep enough and strong enough so that trying to tunnel underneath would be impossible. So you get a lot of people coming in, you can turn some back. You can keep the other ones until they've been vetted. 
And the people trying to tunnel underneath, God bless them, they'll just get a headache by bumping against the wall. Paul, I think that these are excellent ideas, and I hope that we can do them all. And there's no question that illegal immigration has to be checked. And I think the number one thing that we have to do is literally go back to the policies that Trump had in place, where we had really stemmed the tide of illegal immigration and and it was under control. And what we've seen is a departure from those policies. And look at where we are. Women and children getting raped, children getting trafficked, children ending up uh, trafficked and working in the overnight shift at factories and uh, poultry facilities that one boy I keep talking about uh, that got his hand caught in, he lost his hand in the mechanical chicken separation machine and uh, no parents said he was living here with family. This is clearly um, uh, a case of uh, child labor, illegal labor being trafficked for labor by the cartels and others. Uh, We have a huge problem here that is being ignored uh, by the Democrats and Republicans are stepping up like McCall and others that have brought this to, to the forefront of the hearing today and on other occasions. But without without drawing attention to this, without the public support, uh, I don't see how we get out of it unless we uh, switch gears and get a new administration in there. Paul, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. We continue with our calls across the country going from the East Coast to the middle of the country. We go to Stowe, Ohio, W-N-I-R. Let's check in with Yamaris. Yamaris, you're on with Rich Valdez. Uh, hi, how you doing, Rich? Good night. Um, good evening. Good, thank um, you. I would like to mention you earlier talked about Miss um, Lolita Lebron. Yes. And Puerto Rico and the left and all that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, but I'm half Cuban. Huepa! Vaya! <laughs> yep, huepa! <laughs> And um, these people, these young people don't understand what they call democratic socialism. Right. Yeah, uh, is is what it what fall is to winter. That is what socialism is to communism. Mm-hmm. Is what fall is to winter. Comes my right grandfather it. spent. Yeah, my grandfather spent two years in jail under the Castro regime in Cuba. In the For early having days. an opinion, right? First of all, for that, and because he was caught with a notebook with notes on how to make a raft wow. to escape with his family. How he came out of that jail alive is beyond me. Yeah. And these youngsters don't understand what they're asking for. They have You're no right. idea. My family escaped a communist country because they didn't want their kids and their grandkids to suffer through that. And what's going on here now? We are walking into it because these people are pushing us. I think you're right. Uh, not, not only are we walking into it, we've got so many people begging for it. Yeah, and they don't know what they're begging for. They have no idea. Sadly, really? sadly, that's the case. And this is why I try to bring this stuff up in my conversations with America every night, because too few people understand it. And let me tell you, this stuff is glorified. In, in Puerto Rico. It's glorified. People think that these people are freedom fighters and that they're standing up and that they're activists and they don't hear the, um, the, the coded language when they talk about fighting against imperialism, fighting against uh, the colonization of this, that, or whatever. And ultimately, it, it becomes so uh, ingrained in people 
that they literally just they buy into the left and and that's it they in my opinion they're fully radicalized and there's very little you can do with someone like that there's no talking sense to them because they'll never see anything other than what they want to see and we've seen what these people can do right i've never seen somebody that's a radical patriot a radical constitutionalist uh go and shoot somebody in the capital but i've seen crazy crazy radicals uh, that subscribe to to their communist sympathizing philosophy uh, do that. We saw that, like you mentioned in the beginning of your call, Lolita Lebron, um, uh, Arbesu, the uh, all the rest of them. There's there's so many, and and uh, the bomb makers. And it, it, it's crazy to me that the Puerto Rican parade. I think it might have been in uh, let's see, 2008, maybe 2010 or so, when President Obama pardoned. Oscar Rivera Lopez, and they made him the Grand Marshal of the Puerto Rican Parade in New York City. This is a guy that was in prison for 25 years for making bombs. <laughs> I, I just, I've never, I've never been able to reconcile that idea except for these are the same people today chanting for Hamas, supporting Hamas, Yamaras. I, I know, listen, my grandfather, he loves this country so much. He left Cuba in 1969. He became a U.S. citizen with my grandma and my, my uncles and my aunts in 1979. He always said, the day I die, don't you dare put a Cuban flag on my casket. I want, a, I want an American flag, and that's what we did inside his casket. Uh, amen to that. That's a beautiful thing. Yamaris, I want to thank you for your call. Uh, keep up the good fight. Sigue pa'lante. And uh, you're welcome to call anytime. I appreciate the conversation. Big shout out to Ohio and WNIR. Folks, we continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America, welcome back. We continue our conversations with you all across America. And uh, Representative Rashida Talib, Talib, I never know how to say her name. She was on Capitol Hill um, having a conversation with Fox News today. And listen to her response when she's asked by Hillary Vaughn if she believes she's anti-Semitic. Congresswoman, do you regret using the phrase from the river to the sea? It's used by terrorists to call for the genocide of the Jewish people. Do you regret using it? The White House says that phrase can be anti-Semitic. Are you anti-Semitic, Congresswoman? Are you anti-Semitic, Congresswoman Tlaib? 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 Okay, so there you have it. Crickets, crickets, and silence from Rashida Tlaib. 
when asked if she's anti-Semitic. You would think she'd say, absolutely not. I just uh, I disagree with uh, Israel's policy on X, Y and Z. You know, like what politicians do. They talk. No talking from the congresswoman. She chose not to engage. Now, her boss, uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries, a minority leader of the House of Representatives, uh, he says that from the river to the sea is a dangerous chant calling for the destruction of the state of Israel. Check this out. Well, I've made clear that I believe from the river to the sea uh, is a dangerous chant uh, because effectively, as has been echoed by Hamas, it is calling for the destruction of the state of Israel. And we're going to continue to support our close friend and ally. We have a special relationship between the United States and Israel. We have shared democratic values and shared strategic interests. So that's Hakeem Jeffries. And again, no conservative by any means. He says it's a dangerous chant that calls to eliminate Israel. Well, um, there's a headline today that says Rashida Tlaib is a member of a secret Facebook group where Hamas terrorists are glorified. And uh, she's under fire for this. It's a group where members have glamorized Hamas and its war and their battle with Israel after they attacked uh, hundreds of people and killed over a thousand last month. And the um, Tlaib, she's a member of the Palestinian American Congress group on Facebook. The group is hidden from non-members and does not appear on the platform search engine, although uh, Fox News Digital was able to gain access to it. Uh, the group's founder, Mayer Abdel Kader, I hope I said that right, or Mayer Abdel Kader, uh, who has extensive ties to Tlaib, has also seen uh, been seen linked to other liberal politicians. And this guy's come under fire in the past for his anti-Semitic social media posts, including questioning if the Holocaust even occurred, it's like these guys uh, were Nazis in their former lives. The Palestinian American Congress group, uh, which Tlaib is a member of, has featured pro Hamas posts. Uh, on October 12th, one group member posted, We don't want to throw you in the sea. We want you to ride it back where you came from. The message was accompanied by a picture of an elderly Israeli woman and a Hamas fighter holding her captive. And I'm looking at the picture. This guy has a mask on his face. He's wearing a flak jacket, bulletproof vest type of thing. And uh, the old woman is holding his AK-47 <laughs> and holding up a peace sign. That's kind of crazy. Um, I don't know how much of this stuff I believe. This is an absolute insane picture. And on October 19th, another group member wrote about the achievements of the resistance in northern occupied Palestine, including dozens of dead Israeli soldiers. The post included a picture of a Hamas fighter, uh, another one with his face covered up. These guys are, are the, got to be the biggest cowards out there. I mean, they're literally always wearing a mask. They're always hiding. So, and there's more in this piece. Maybe I'll share it on social media at Rich Valdez with an S. But I want to get your take on this stuff because I feel like, uh, you know, we're, 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 seeing, we're seeing a lot of, of backlash Right. We're seeing a lot of people um, not necessarily say I don't agree with Israel, but more so I agree with Hamas. Maybe I'm wrong with that. If you disagree, you'll be up first as soon as we come back. And I see we have calls from all over the country. So we're going to get to those momentarily. The phone number 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. And if you missed any portion of the interviews that we've done uh, this evening or any evening, 
You can check them out at richvaldezamericatnight.com. Richvaldezamericatnight.com is our website where you can subscribe to the podcast absolutely free. You can stream it right from the website. You can listen to everything. Everything's archived. Nothing is hidden, and you don't have to pay a cent for it. All right, folks, we're coming right back to your calls. Open Phone America with me, Rich Valdez, continues straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. The nays are 95. Two-thirds being in the affirmative, the rules are suspended. The bill is passed, and without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. All right, so now the United States Senate has now approved the funding bill, the continuing resolution, sending it to Biden's desk, uh, avoiding a government shutdown. Yesterday was passed in the House. Today was passed in the Senate. And uh, this was the uh, the bill that Speaker Johnson uh, pushed through just yesterday. And that's breaking news that happened about, I don't know, 45 minutes ago. So no shutdown for Christmas this year. Um, you know, every now and again, I, I'm in the mood for a shutdown, but uh, I understand the politics of it. And we, we shouldn't have to have a shutdown, but there is some pressure that goes with it where you can negotiate better and while it wasn't the best continuing resolution that we could have uh, hoped for, I obviously don't want any continuing resolutions. I'd like to see an actual budget that gets passed by Congress and uh, uh, pushed through by the Senate and sent to the president's desk. And we haven't seen that in a long time. Want something to Google? Google the last time we approved the budget in this country. That's abysmal. But I want to continue with your calls. And uh, let's see, where did I want to go here? <clears throat> Let's go to Leslie, Syracuse, New York, listening online to Rich Valdez, com. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. So I just, yeah, so I, I'm definitely a big naysayer here. So I, I just need to touch on the facts of this pro-Hamas issue. So just, just like most conservatives say that liberals are pro-abortion, where we're out telling people, yes, go kill your babies, I think that the, that the right has it wrong with pro-Hamas. I think, you know, pro-Palestinian, I think pro-humanitarian you know, effort, those kind of things make more sense with that. I think pro-Hamas is saying that, you know, we agree with terrorists. And that's not that's not what I agree with. I don't agree. I think that. Well, let me ask you a question, Leslie. Um, There are two parties in this fight. Is it the Palestinians that are fighting against the Israelis or is it Hamas that's fighting against the Israelis? Right. So 
with Hamas, but the Palestinians are the one that are suffering. Hamas isn't suffering, right? Like, they're taking those goods in. They're stealing that stuff. They, they have the fuel. They have their food. They have their, necess- their necessary items to live. It's not Hamas that's suffering. It's the Palestinian people. And, and so I just think that, you know, just keep in mind that just because people are pro-humanitarian efforts doesn't mean that they agree with the terrorists. But I do have one other thing to say. So when yeah. you were just just a few minutes ago, you said that, um, you know, Hamas is the most cowardly group of people. They they cover their faces and all of this stuff. I, I just want to bring us back to a time in America where we had the Ku Klux Klan, where these people literally hid behind sheets went around lynching people, you know, at the top of your show or when you had the Obama guy on, you know, you talked about how um, we've never been more racially divided than we are now. Well, in my lifetime, I'm only 45. Oh, so yeah, that was never said. I never heard in your lifetime. So, so, you know, I agree with you. I think another bunch of cowards is the KKK. I think anybody that's going to hide their face and do things in the name of, 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 whatever religious, religious radicalization, uh, or, you know, just pure hatred, uh, which is what I think the Klan did and what Hamas did. I, I put them together. These are both terrorist groups that terrorize people, um, hiding behind religion or prostituting religion to, to make it work for them to advance their own evil agenda. So uh, I'll agree with you on that point. Well, I, I thank you for that. And, and you know, just like when 9-11 happened, you know, a lot of a lot of civilians were injured in that. You know, when when they came and they did that attack, they didn't attack people that actually get to make the decisions in our country. They didn't attack people that, you know, uh, are, are of any power. They attacked innocent people. And I feel like when, when Americans, when people like me, you know, and, and I don't know who to believe, you know, I, I've tried to do the research on Israel. I've tried to do, you know, to figure out where this has all started. And, and I know that it's over land and who has that, that, you know, the religious ties to land. And, and unfortunately, it's a religious war. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. And I feel like just because people like me care about the people that are in Gaza, the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, you know, I, I just feel like I'm automatically termed as this person, like a snowflake and a and an anti-patriot, you know, and, and that's not how I feel at all. Like, I love my country, but I also sure. love people, and I don't think that people deserve to suffer. So that's really well, all I, I, I don't, just want to throw Well, I just want to say something. I, I don't think that that's exclusive to to anyone. Right. I think that that many people I don't want to see innocent Palestinians killed. I don't want to see innocent Israelis killed. Uh, but I, I'm just using the facts of, of what happened on October 7th. Um, Hamas terrorists went and killed a bunch of uh, thousand four hundred uh, Israelis, mainly young people at a music festival and then went and raped and pillaged small villages, uh, kibbutzes and um, slit the throats of small children, infants, and set them on fire. And Israel is now responding, and it seems that the media coverage um, kind of glosses over that and is just focused on civilian casualties of people that were asked to be evacuated. And as far as I can see from the coverage, you have the IDF, the um, Israeli Defense Forces, that have created safe zones so that people can evacuate and go to areas where there is no fighting. 
and and they're trying to get people out. But it's again, Hamas, who is abusing the Palestinians, those that may want to leave, can't leave. Then you have their neighbors that refuse to play ball. Jordan said, you cannot come in. We're not letting you leave uh, Gaza to come into our country. You must stay where you are. Israel did this. I mean, uh, Egypt did the same thing. So when you have all of that going on, what's going to happen to these people? So I think it's very unfair of the media to portray this as Israel is somehow trying to uh, erase a people when Israel's founding documents are to create a Jewish state and Hamas's founding documents are to create an organization which is dedicated to the eradication of the existence of the Jewish state. And the means that they use are both political and terrorism. So for me, this is cut and dry. I'm not rooting for the demise of small children. I hear it echoed on television every single day that half of the Palestinian population is uh, children. And I think this is sick. But when you say that there are people, and I'm not saying you, Leslie, but I am saying there are people in this country that heard about the attack on Israel and they praised the attack. Listen to this audio clip from Pennsylvania. Check it out. The amount of like tragedy that Palestine is facing, and that is like because of the Israeli government um, and because of our tax dollars, I think it's really scary, and I don't like it. Do you think it's possible for Hamas to free the hostages who are in Gaza right now? They've tried. So Hamas has tried to free it the really hostages. Has said, we do not want the hostages. You're calling the Hamas terrorists. Some would call them terrorists. You're calling them freedom fighters. Right. So some that wasn't the audio clip I wanted you to hear. I lost all of the dramatic effect I wanted to leave you with before the break. Uh, but it was of a professor that was in Pennsylvania screaming, I am glad that the Jews were killed. I'm glad that Hamas did that. And they were praising them for using parachutes and hang gliders to 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 do this massacre. And like I said, not you, but there are many people that are pro Hamas. So I think it's it's a a, a properly fitting moniker when you see these Palestinian flags, uh, similar to the BLM uh, protests, right? There were a lot of people that were just, you know, they, they believed that black lives should matter. I don't think anybody ever doubted that. But the problem was the BLM organization stood for a lot more than sticking up for black people. It stood for the destruction of the family. They, were, they admitted that they were trained Marxists and were pushing a Marxist agenda through their program. And it's come to, to the light of day ever since it occurred that they raised a ton of money, misspent the money, misappropriated the money, and bought some really, really big houses. Some people joke and say that BLM stands for buying large mansions. So I understand where you are, Leslie, and I understand how you feel, and I hope that you have a lot of success in trying to figure out right from wrong in this situation. Um, There's always enough blame to go around in every situation. But in this one, I think it's pretty cut and dry. The Hamas terrorists did what they did maliciously in an evil way uh, in contravention of any um, regulations that pertain to war. And anybody that's going to sit there and try to break into the DNC or break into Congress uh, and cover their faces like bandits and attack the police, police in Washington, D.C., were injured tonight as part of these protests. Uh, These aren't protests. They're not peaceful. These are domestic terrorists or even foreign terrorists that are alive and well in our country promoting an agenda that glorifies terrorism. And it's not something that I don't think anybody should get behind. But again, I thank you for your call and for your patience and for your uh, 
your your even-handed approach to your phone call. Folks, there's more to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. in philadelphia pennsylvania and uh, we just had a caller leslie from new york called lovely woman and a great dialogue with her and that was the audio i wanted to play for her and for anybody that says that's an isolated incident just listen to the cheers from the crowd when he says he salutes hamas because 250 jews had their throats their effing throats cut we bleeped it out because we can't play that on the radio he wasn't alone in that sentiment. There was a crowd of people right here in the United States cheering on Hamas, cheering on the slitting of the throats of Jews. Find me a group of Jews that are celebrating the fact that there are children that are being used as human shields at hospitals in Gaza. I haven't seen a single one. I'm not saying the Jews are superior. I'm saying the Jews are fighting a fight in defense of their country. And Hamas is fighting a fight to destroy the the country, the state of Israel. This is this is not um, something I'm making up. This is something that is a fact, and it's these people that are gathering. When you saw yesterday, three hundred thousand people descend on Washington D.C. Not a single arrest. The Jews got together to support Israel. Not a single one of them was arrested. Not a single cop was injured. You combine that with 150 masked terrorists today that tried to break into the Democrat National Committee into the uh, Congressional Office Building, and you've got cops that were injured, pepper spray was deployed, riot gear was used. You tell me who's the good guy and who's the bad guy in this conflict. I, I don't want to see any images of small children being hurt in a hospital. I do know that there's an information war. I do know that, as far as I can tell, Israel has never gone into to Gaza trying to kill children. I know that for a fact. I do know for a fact that Hamas has gone into Israel and killed children and raped teenagers and kidnapped old women. The Israelis haven't kidnapped anybody. They're not holding any hostages. This is as clear as day. 
And to think that, you know, if I go to your house and I do something bad to you and your family, and then I run to your neighbor's house because they have three small children and I hide in there, of course, nobody wants to see those children hurt. And that's what they're doing. These people are hiding behind children in hospitals, hiding behind children in schools, hiding behind children in mosques to try to protect themselves, hiding hostages under hospitals so that they won't be bombed so that they can continue to conduct the terror that they're conducting against Israel. This is something that just can't be tolerated. And I'm not saying that they have to kill everybody in sight, but they do have to end Hamas. It has to end. This is their chance. This is their shot. And I believe that they'll achieve the mission. Let's go to Sarah in Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Sarah, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, great show. I'm going to modify what I said in response to that caller because it's funny. She mentions the Klan. Okay, there was a time when the Klan was very popular because a lot of white Americans shared the same values over time, and the left condemned the Klan, and the left stood by people like Jews and blacks, and white Americans had to reexamine their values, okay? No organization can survive without a, a popular support, okay? But meanwhile, Hamas has committed horrible atrocities, and let's go back further than the attack on Israel. We've had planes hijacked, buildings bombed, I mean, horrible atrocities. And yet, it seems to me that you see these demonstrations, and it's not only Palestinians, but a lot of Muslims, even Shia uh, Sunni Muslims, cross that divide to go after Israel. So if the people, the left, people on the left talk about humanitarian concerns, why aren't they taking them to task for supporting brutal attacks that target children and civilians and people who didn't make any decisions, like she talked about September 11th, you know, but yet somehow groups like Hamas can get away with it, but like groups like the Klan can't. I mean, there's a double standard that most liberals have, and I hate to say it, but it's when people of color do something that's racist or bad, they just turn a blind eye, and yet they say they're for humanitarian concerns. Well, that didn't stop us from fighting Nazi Germany and bombing cities, didn't stop us with the, uh, when Bosnia and the Bosnian Serbs and uh, Muslims were fighting. Remember, we finally got involved under NATO and bombed Serb positions and kind of turned the tide in that war. So if they really care about humanity, then they should have an equal standard. I agree with you. If we care about humanity, then we have to stop Hamas, right? I mean, because they're clearly the aggressor here. They're the ones that are going out there raping, pillaging, slitting the throats of children, setting children on fire. Uh, When you see those images, I don't think you come back from them. Thank you for your call. I really appreciate it, Sarah. Big shout out to Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Folks, we continue with the rest of your calls in the speed round straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, so there are people all over TikTok talking about why they support Osama bin Laden's attack on the U.S. I tell you, people are being taught to hate this country, and they love it. Folks, let's get to your calls in the speed round. Let's go to Gary, Richfield, Connecticut, WLAD. Go right ahead quickly. Hi, Mr. Valdez. Um First, I, uh, I, I just wanted to say I listened to your program last Friday, and I'm, I'm awfully sorry to hear about your brother. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, before you hang me up tonight, uh, would, would, would you give me three seconds to say seven words? 
Yeah, go um, for it. Yeah. Um, uh, I wanted to say uh, 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 there's a list uh, of, of, of things that I could talk about, but just regarding the uh, uh, Hamas and Palestinians, I saw two pictures over the weekend. Of um, uh, One was of, of two uh, Palestinian kids living in the most uh, abject poverty you could imagine. Yeah, and we're almost out of time. Speed it up. Like for- forlorn little kids. Yep. And the other one was uh, uh, the Hamas leaders are worth uh, $11 billion collectively. Wow. But isn't that always the case? The dictators are always the worst, and they've got the most cash and make people live in squalor. Gary, thanks for the call. Jim in Kansas City and Al in Atlanta, I owe you one for tomorrow. Folks, take care. God bless. And good night, America. I'm Rich Valdez. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.